I wish I knew a riddle. I would tell a riddle. Do you know a riddle? Um, when is a door not a door? Oh, I wonder if there's... Oh, uh, no, that's a joke. I wonder if there's a Star Trek riddle. <laughs> As you know, this is Measure an Episode, where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a good, a proper, a genuine Star Trek episode, and not just... Yeah, TV. Yeah. <laughs> and not just TV. 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 I'm Paul. I'm Jonathan. And we do this with three criteria. Number one, is there sci-fi? I was like, don't use woven. <laughs> and that was the first word that came out. <laughs> you can't. Un- yeah, it's like. It's like- right. Well, I, I like the word an exploration. Is there an exploration of science fiction? It's not just are they speaking in technical technobabble, terms right. or techno, technobabble. Yeah. Is there an exploration of the science fiction? Yeah, of something science fictional. Got it. And is that exploration presented in a novel or unique way? And is there a moral or ethical dilemma thrown upon some character within the story? And this week, wait, you're doing it. I'm doing it. This week, we watched Voyager, season six, episode six, Riddles, and the blurb. Returning from an away mission, the Delta Flyer is boarded, and Tuvok is assaulted by a cloaked alien from a xenophobic race called... The Beneath. So what's it <laughs> kind of a, a spoiler, but what's interesting is um, this episode basically plays out the same as Tuvix. So we should have totally. known like at the end, you know, when Tuvok is saying, I like me, I don't want to go back to the old me that which must dude, be a, a direct lift from Tuvix. Right. It's like, dude, we, we've done this before. You know, you're going back like <laughs> <laughs> look who our captain is. There's no way <laughs> right? you're not going back to be regular Tuvok. Yeah, this is the second, I think this is the second um, existential crisis that this character has had because of situations like this. Mm-hmm. And it was weird that they didn't make, they didn't also make that jump. That isn't this kind of basically the same plot as Tuvix? I hate that name too, Tuvix. It sounds like cervix. It's better than Nelok. I feel like Nelok sounds better though. It doesn't sound like a, a girl part. No, but it does sound like a knee part. Yeah, that's the thing everybody has, though. And so I understand it. <laughs> I also feel like Tuvix would just be... No, I, I feel like it's more like a tonsil. Like, my Tuvix is right next to my tonsil. Oh, that's much better. Yeah. Everybody has a Tuvix. Anything on the, anything on the inside of the body, I'm just not okay with. <laughs> everybody has a Tuvix. A little, everybody has a little Tuvix inside them. Uh, what show is this? Oh, right. Anyway, so back to this episode, anyway, which is not yeah. the Tuvix episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't it? So anyway, they kind of spoil, I don't know if they were going for this, but they, in, in the blurb, they kind of spoil the idea that the Beneath actually exists because there's this idea. I guess we know they exist because we see Tuvok get hurt. And so, but for some reason I forgot about that because I was like, are they trying to do this thing where, oh, this is a, a mythological race. They don't exist. They're just a figment of the imagination of, of – it's like a story time story, <laughs> a bedtime story, a story told during which you lie in bed. And I, I, but they didn't No, I'm not that. getting it. Can you, can you give me one more paraphrase of it? Uh, it's on the Patreon. An extended version will be on the Patreon. But I don't know. It felt like they were trying to do that in the course of the episode even though we already knew that they obviously existed because we saw the person you know shoot Tuvok. Tuvik? Tuvok. And <laughs> – it's, I, I don't know. They had that guy, they had that diplomat guy come and he's like, I know they exist. I know it. I just I feel it in my bones. And we already know it. So any, any kind of mystery about this or any kind of stakes that have been set up about do they or don't they exist, we already know. 
And I felt like I am, that was just wasted time. I am time. so mad at you now. No, you don't. You haven't finished the episode. <laughs> Spoilers. No, like I, I, I just kind of took it all at face value, and I was completely fine with it. But now that you say that, like this would have been an amazing. Like, is is this guy crazy, or is it a genuine? cloaked alien like he believes in an alien that no one has seen and all of these circumstances have been chalked up to you know unfortunate technical failures or you know just a random anomaly so to it's not sort of the same thing as like a roswell type of conspiracy that yeah. everybody thinks it's fake except for crazy people but in fact actually it, does, it is real and i guess the way you set that up is you all you we don't see tuvok get hurt right he comes in the episode starts with him already being hurt oh no 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 like he he just goes back there and then like we stay with neelix we don't see tuvok at all back there and you know and then he messages in saying i'm I'm reading some kind of strange anomaly back here and then and then we follow neelix back there and tuvok is laying on the ground stunned you know and then and then everything that would have worked great yeah Yeah, Uh, well and then you know other things happen on the ship and because they you know there's there's this one guy who believes that he knows what happened and you know he's he's presenting this ridiculous theory and it's still you know it still goes around tuvok having the frequency of the cloak but he now has this mental condition and he can't figure out you know he doesn't remember he doesn't know he can't read it and you know and like they're the like kind of the same way like the guy is aggressively trying to push him to to remember which is making tuvok freak out um and well and there could have been a little bit more of a plot line surrounding the mystery and maybe dick dick neelix uh comes back in makes another appearance oh yeah and and it's just it's less of that or it's more of that and less of Tuvok not being Tuvok and him cooking and just stuff where I was I was kind of grateful though because uh so Neelix stays somebody tells Neelix that hey you know it's it has worked in the past where people you know you you talk to them and something familiar and and you provoke them while they're in a coma that can have positive effects and so Neelix goes full bore on that mm-hmm. and I was so grateful that he immediately wakes up because I was totally expecting one of those scenes where it's this super drawn out protracted scenario where it's multiple scenes of, of Neelix entertaining slash confessing slash confiding in a, a sleep Tuvok. Tuvok. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We just have to watch that over and over and over again. I was so happy. It wasn't that. right. I was like, Oh, thank God. But <laughs> But it was, but I, I wish it wasn't more about that and it was more about the mystery of something, right? I mean, this is, to me, this is why it's not a proper Star Trek episode is because I think the science fiction wasn't there. There, was, there wasn't enough of an exploration into whether it was a mystery or the science fiction of the cloaking or why this race is so xenophobic. And what, you know, they, they don't do that. They just are. And that's the way it is. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just a, a spy, like a double agent type story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they corner the spy and then said like, you know, we, we know you're this and we will give you information if you give us information. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that we usually use as sort of the litmus test, which is, could this be easily doctored into a non-Star Trekian right. script? So you're on board with that. You don't you don't think it, there was a lot of science fiction in this episode either. No, I'm yeah. I, the, I mean, there was obviously the, the cloak technology, but that that could ease, like you don't need to hide the enemy when it's a when it's a double agent, when it's a spy like they, they well, would they just, just didn't go into it. I mean, yes, he was a cloaked person, but that's that's it was just a matter. It was it was a, a an element of convenience. Right. It just happened to be. Right. 
There's quite a bit of smart Janeway in this episode. Now that you've pointed this out, <laughs> it's everywhere <laughs> because she and so in the sick bay when Tuvok initially comes in and he's all sick and stuff she's the one who comes up with some sort of idea on and and like she's operating all the medical equipment and and assisting the doctor and everything that he's doing mm. and then there's another part where uh she concocts some some way to scan for the beneath and and even though she has all these smart people in the room with her i mean balan is barely in this episode and but Janeway is making all the smart decisions. Right, it's everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, yep. Because she's so smart. She's so smart. She's so smart. And it, and every they always write it in such a way where all the other characters are like, oh my god, she's brilliant. Well, I'm yeah, like oh yeah, we could try that, or um, yeah, you know uh, that would work. Like, did it again, Janeway. Right, right. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. And then a lot of this episode is just, I don't know, them playing Vulcan Jenga and or whatever it is. Vulcan well, the, the, sticks talking or, about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that like so it was really weird because, you know, Tim Russ, just as a side trivia, like he's he's the guy from Spaceballs who said we ain't found. Sh-. It's so weird. It's so strange. I know that he's that guy. <laughs> I'm really excited to get to the episode, but he was one of the um, scavengers on Enterprise when they were doing the ion sweep to to sterilize everything. And, you know, so he he can play very animated, you know, and um, and emotional. And and he did like in the in the scene where he was um, where he was upset about going back to the the emotionless Tuvok. But everywhere else, like when he was cooking, you know, he he still played a more even keeled character than I feel like he should have. I felt felt like there should have been a higher register in his voice or, you know, just more more emotion. It felt it felt as though he was playing a 14-year-old. That's kind of how it read to me. But like a sullen 14-year-old. Yeah. Well, he was he was sad. I I kind of sad. Right. I mean, I I get that, but he like he should have been it should have been a more confused than a sad, especially when he got to cooking, you know, like that, that should have been where his passion was and got really excited about it rather than just kind of being like, I I tried this. What do you think? Oh, you like it. Great. That makes me happy. Well, it it almost, it was kind of borderline. He's playing almost a a senile person. It wasn't just, oh, he's lost his logical self. And so therefore what's left over is what we're getting from, of Tuvok. Mm -hmm. He was kind of, he, he wasn't just playing a normal person. He was playing this affected person. And maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. But it would have been better if there wasn't this sense of fragility with him. Yeah. That if he was just a regular guy, that he, or a regular Vulcan, rather, who had lost his logic. Kind of like, so in, I think, Star Trek V, the one where they seek out heaven and all the different permutations of heaven. Um, Cybok. Cybok is the villain in that, who is, spoilers, Spock's brother. And... uh I wonder how many people pause that because they haven't seen it. It's like, oh, no, you <laughs> I'm sure half of our listeners. So all three of them. <laughs> but so he was a Vulcan, but he was sort of just played as like a, a regular guy because he had sort of abandoned that prim and proper stoic Vulcan demeanor. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of wanted more of that. If if truly he was still Tuvok, just with the the Vulcanness stripped out of him, that wouldn't have felt like a fourteen year old senile person. That's where it was sort of bordering on for me. I don't know. Did that? Did, 
Did that come through for you too? Um, well, kind of. But the the thing is, like, if you're if you're gonna play senile, which you know maybe, maybe that that was the direction he was going, and that does work to a certain extent. But you can there's different levels of senility, and this felt a little bit more like a traumatic head wound where you you can't remember something. And the thing like the thing about that is when you or or even amnesia and developing a new personality, like that new personality is its own thing. You only get frustrated, scared, sad, whatever when people try to bring up that previous personality and try to explore what you don't remember. You know, and you get you get mad because you're scared or you just stay scared or you get sad because you can't remember these things. It just it felt still like Tuvok and I I wish it hadn't, you know, because like Tuvok yeah. is with without emotion. And so the moment you put emotion into it, there there should have been there should have been more emotion, more animation. It's there should have been some element, and this is this is probably a a good teller of how underwritten the character is just in the for the show. That we when you stripped out all of the hibitions, because he was uninhibited. So can you be hibited? Is that a thing? <laughs> I'm not sure. I hate English. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the idea that, oh, we would still know that it was Tuvok, mm-hmm. even though you've taken out the thing. Because right now, it, it, it seems like the thing about Tuvok is that, oh, he's doing the Vulcan impression. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he's doing an impression of a Vulcan where, oh, I've seen them once or twice. I've seen a Vulcan once or twice. They just act like they have no emotions. Here's my impression of that. Instead of it being more, oh, here's this character who has all these different things about him that are subtle that we would have gotten to know over the past six seasons that now we're getting more concentrated elements of those other things that aren't just him being stoic. Mm. And we're like, oh, that's what Tuvok is doing when he's thinking or that, that it's just now he's showing it on his lapel, you know? Right. And so, but that didn't happen because I don't think there's much to Tuvok other than him doing an impression of a Vulcan. And not to say that Tim Russ didn't do a bad idea or a bad job. He did a good job with the with the material that he was given. He just wasn't very, given very much of it. I mean, we, we've talked about this before, but I think I think I'm starting to realize the difference between Next Generation and DS9 and Voyager and Enterprise. And it's, I mean, what you just said kind of hits the nail on the head. Like these these characters don't really grow or have any depth. Um, and development they're they're just the way they were in season one is the way they are in season seven and they're very they're very stereotyped um and they don't yeah i mean they don't they don't really have any kind of char- character development over the over the series like they don't they don't get to know their characters any better by season six than they did in season two or really any intricacy of their right. characters it's all just the makeup and the costume yeah. And that carries them only so far and the the plot lines carry them only so far. Mm-hmm. Where and again, I am not um advocating for them to do character episodes on Star Trek. I right. think the characters should be informed by the plot. Yes. No. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, basically. The idea that we or we sorry, we will be informed of the character through the plot. Right. And that how these characters react to what's going on around them, that's when we get to know them. Right. And which you know, this is a this episode is sort of not an example of that because we just sort of get <laughs> well because we're not getting non character yeah we're yeah. not getting anything. I was actually happy that it wasn't just a case of amnesia where he doesn't remember who he is and they have to slowly coax uh, the memory of Tuvok back into the body or come up with some sort of medical procedure that 
that puts Tuvok back into the body. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that he's still Tuvok and he still remembers everything. He's just not him 100%. But I got more disappointed with it as it went on because they didn't do anything with it. He was right. just sort of a kid now. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would have been neat if he, you know, as he as he got his abilities back, like he was able to express and convey more, but it wasn't through simple speak or um yeah he still had his vocabulary yeah i mean tuvok i got the impression was still a smart guy Mm -hmm. he just was traumatized right but so just you know speaking about like a guy who's playing a vulcan um this is the first pure vulcan we've seen on as a regular character on the series so you know the way the way spock conveyed vulcans was actually a half vulcan but anyway so like he he is half human so he has a much harder time um, suppressing his emotions than uh, a pure blood Vulcan just because humans are emotional creatures. And so like he he doesn't have that same genetic predisposition to control his emotions in the same way that a pure blood Vulcan would. So we've seen pure blood Vulcans before in the movies, but this is the first pure blood Vulcan as a regular character on a TV series. And, you know, so kind of whatever he does is uh, is setting the precedent in the same way that that Nimoy did, but he just has to like crank it up to even more because he's pure Vulcan. There's no human element inside him. Why do you feel he's just playing a like? What is it about his performance that makes you feel he's not an accurate Vulcan when you compare it to Nimoy, knowing that Nimoy, Nimoy is half Vulcan? Well, everybody looks to Nimoy as as what a Vulcan acts like, even if they don't know. I mean, it's very possible. Uh, that Tim Russ didn't even know that that Spock was supposed to be half Vulcan. Oh no no he <laughs> he knew like he knows everything about Vulcan physiognomy. He was like I hope they incorporate the fact that Vulcans have two eyelids at some point in the in the series. <laughs> well okay so I think the point is not not and I don't know I don't really know what the proto Vulcan would act like. I don't I mean other than what we get sort of just every once in a while throughout the course of the, of all of the shows and mm-hmm. the TV show and the movies. But I guess my complaint is not so much, is he being an accurate Vulcan, but there's gotta be more to Vulcans than just being sort of stoic and unemotional and, and annoyed with, <laughs> with people all the time, uh, annoyed with humans. I did, there's gotta be more to a character. Otherwise, why have him on the show? Right. As opposed to just having sort of a, a, Vulcan mascot that is just there, just doing the Vulcan thing every once in a while for the sake of fan service. Why not give us something to to latch on to that we actually can care about? Because we are humans, unless there are any Vulcans watching the show and they love it. They think he's the best thing ever. <laughs> Aside from those people. We'd never know, though. For the, I, <laughs> what, I mean, right? That's the whole point of of creating a character is that there's something different than just the words on the page. Yeah. So I don't know that I guess that's what my complaint is more is that there wasn't anything to him. I mean, the one thing that I guess that is, is that he seems to be kind of snobby as a Vulcan because he's, as we've talked about before, he's always annoyed with humans. Mm -hmm. He's always having to sort of calm himself and and re-center himself with meditation because all the humans are pissing him off. Well, yeah, and the holodeck gal like totally called him out on that. This episode was a clear example of that because because of what I said, like Tim Russ was just kind of playing Tuvok with with amnesia like Tuvok's mixed with a teenager I don't know I was trying to remember there was some scene where I I completely agreed with you about him acting like a child rather than somebody who just couldn't remember and it was Kalto 
I don't like this game. I don't like this game. This episode aside, do you think that Tim Russ is playing an accurate Vulcan in the sense of if, if you were to meet one, this is what it would be like? Right. Um, I mean, I, th- I think yes to a certain extent. Like, I think that it, it's actually, again, kind of interesting parallels. Like, Tuvok and T'Pol both were completely isolated from their Vulcan community. Like, Tuvok by force and T'Pol by choice. But they didn't have anywhere to be Vulcan other than their chambers or their quarters. Um, and so I, I can kind of see like being in, being isolated in that way, surrounded by people who just don't understand you, you know, and they're like, come on, you got to be more like us, how that could become immensely irritating and where the, the arrogance and condescension would come from because he genuinely believes that emotions are a sign of the weak. Well, I, I kind of look at it as it's sort of like an addict let's say an alcoholic, being on a booze cruise uh, by force where you have to constantly meditate and, and center yourself to not fall into uh, into your emotions because everyone else around you is constantly falling into your emotions. And so maybe that's why he's so irritable. Right. He, he can't have a drink. Yeah. Well, yeah. And <laughs> being surrounded by it all the time, there's only so long you can control annoyance willpower is a is a finite resource yeah the writers did not provide i mean didn't provide him or anyone else really anything to allow the characters to grow and become more comfortable in who they are yeah i mean a great example is seven of nine who should have had an accelerated character arc because she came in what the fifth season Mm -hmm. fourth or fifth season and i was thinking oh by the end of this show she will just be a normal crew member right with some kids or something. And she's the same. She presents as the same exact person outside of an episode where she supposedly does some sort of character growth. Right. By the beginning of the, when they groundhog day themselves into the next episode, she's totally the same again. Mm -hmm. Right. So whatever character, what character growth that has happened, it's completely internalized. So maybe they can reference it later, but it doesn't have any effect on their outward character. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad because, you know, a series, whatever, five years earlier with TNG, like they they had they had growth despite being more episodic than Voyager. um, The characters, the characters did grow through the series. That does not happen in this series unless it is a specific follow up like um, um, not Michael Clark Duncan. What's his name? Not Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, what's his name? Robert McNeil. Robbie, Robert Duncan, Robert Duncan McNeil. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, McNeil? yeah, like he had that, those couple episodes where he was standoffish and defiant specifically so they could culminate to that episode that we saw where he left the, the where he left Voyager, Um, you know, the episodes prior to that. But once he came back, he was just back to his normal, you know, like freewheeling, do what I want on my own free time. I feel like with TNG, you could play the first episode, the pilot, and then play the very last episode, and they would be recognizably different people. Yes. But in this show, in Voyager, I don't think that's true. No. I mean, it would be an interesting test to watch the pilot and then to watch the last episode, to watch, I think it's called Endgame. Right. And I, I don't think they're much different. No. So I'm going to nerd out a little bit uh, on this one. So there's a moment where uh, they are able to scan the Beneath and somebody reports that the Beneath are hiding something using 9 million terawatts. And I know this is very nitpicky, but if you're going to use, you're, you're using the metric system wrong. 
right? That's not how it works. The whole point is so you don't have these gigantic numbers. We have little prefixes that take the place of, gin- of gigantic, gigantic, ginormous numbers, right? Uh-huh. A, a, a megabyte is smaller than a gigabyte. Right. A, a terabyte is bigger than a gigabyte. So it wouldn't be 9 million terawatts. That's not how a scientist would say that or the member of a, of a crew. That is utilizing the metric system. They would say 9 exawatts. Right. Right? And don't tell me that this is that 9 million terawatts is in some way less disorienting than me saying 9 exawatts because people don't know that exawatts are. We don't need to know what they are because we don't know what the hell anything else is in this show either. <laughs> right? We don't know how a warp field works. We don't know what the the gel packs do. Just why don't why don't they stick to it to a certain level? They they brought it to a certain point. They didn't say nine trillion gigawatts or whatever it would be, right? So I, I, as long as they're going to use it, why not use it right? I don't get it. They do this with miles too. Like we're we're a hundred million kilometers from the nearest sun. It's like when you say megometers or, or gigometers or whatever you know or whatever. Right. It's not any it's not any more disorienting. So my, my suspicion would be, um, I, I, I always, I talk about this in my math class too, but I talk like people get aliens confused so much when there was, I, there was a bank that got bailed out in the 2008 crisis, uh, for $190 billion. And then they turned around and had a party for 175 and they spent $175 million on it. And people were livid because they thought they spent almost that entire amount that they were given on this party. And if you take out the zeros, it was basically they were given $19 to be bailed out and they spent two cents on a party. And like because that's how that's how billion compares to million. Yes, you're right. Like as a as a nerd, like if you said nine exawatts, like if they if they said that, the layman listener, the layman watcher would just be like, well, nine, that's not very far. So you would need somebody to say, you know, that's like nine million times stronger than something our ship is currently doing. Um, and, you know, like, like that's nine million times stronger than our holodeck program or something like that. Um, and so I, th- I think you're right. I think I think that they could do it. They would just need a comparison line as well to have the audience recognize how much stronger that is. Or just have a reaction to the number. All we need is we need Janeway, smart Janeway. As long as she reacts, we know what to do. Right. And just say like, my God, that's that's enormous. You know, just say it. And if people are are curious about what an exawatt is, they can look it up. But I understand. I, I totally understand that perhaps the writers have a bit of contempt for the audience that they won't get it. That it's not something huge, and so we need to artificially inflate the language so it sounds bigger than it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just always, it always bugs me when mm-hmm. they when they are using millions that that sort of or billions along with some sort of metric suffix or prefix. Right. It always bugs me. It will never not bug me, Jonathan. Well, and the the thing the thing for me though, uh, you know, and this was <laughs> this was brought up on a on a page, and it's because I'm like teaching space right now, but. Like, why are they not using astronomical units? That's a good point. Maybe, uh, I don't know. It's not metric. They seem to really lean into the metric thing. Well, but it is. I mean, it's just, it's uh, like 150 million kilometers. But is that, is is a astronomical unit part of a, is it, is it a metric unit, I guess? Actually, that, that actually turns around back to your point. Like, it's never shown as whatever, 150, what, terameters? 
And saying that out loud and realizing the comparison, I think it's because we recognize miles to kilometers and there isn't anything bigger than a mile. Miles are always converted to kilometers. Right. That's true. That's a good point. It's it's our only our flimsy brains can only go so far in terms of distance. Although if you just say a hundred million miles or a hundred million kilometers, I have no sense of how far that is. <laughs> right. You're like, wow. We can't possibly know. I mean, even a even a thousand miles is I know intellectually the distance. That's that's about from California to somewhere in Texas or something like that, right? Um like El Paso, yeah. But but right, but I, I don't I only know that because I can I can visualize a map. Mm-hmm. And see that distance on a map. I have no sense of that, see, right? I have no sense. Like two inches, <laughs> yeah, not that far. <laughs> Let's go, right? And like after after a certain number, like you you have no concept of of how far it is. Yeah, right. I mean, how far? How long would it take us to walk a thousand miles? There's no answer. I mean, it's, <laughs> it can't be calculated. No it can't be calculated. I mean, in the sense of, I know how long it would take to walk five miles. I could give you a rough estimate on that. Right. And, or even 10 miles. But as we start approaching the 100-mile mark, well, I don't know. So roughly how long would it take you to, to walk 10 miles? And two hours? Mm, hour and a half? Yeah. Well, no, somewhere between two and three hours. Because the average person walks yeah. about four miles an hour. Like that's their, their speed. Right. But I'm not, I'm not saying mathematically. Yes, mathematically we can do any math and we can see how long it would take to walk 100 million miles miles right. but i just mean sort of that that impression of experience where you know about how long it can take because you've done it before and because you had you can gotcha your, okay your okay. mind can right. like wrap its you can wrap its brain around it sure yeah like you you've never walked a thousand miles in one contiguous movement <laughs> only forrest gump has done this <laughs> and he's dead would forrest gump be dead no, he'd still be alive. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude. he'd be he'd be older, but yeah, he'd still be alive. I mean, Tom Hanks is still alive, right? But I, I never remember if that was a movie. He was not old at the end of the movie, ninety six. Yeah, I think the movie ends at that moment. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> I know. Good job, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we get to the end of the movie, and I think we were all expecting that. There was going to be some minute expression of the old Tuvok to close out, or the you know the the kid like Tuvok to close out the episode. I'm sure you sensed that coming. I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to offer either a recipe or he was going to accept Neelix's offer to cook a dessert. Yes, uh, I was okay with that expression. I liked the oh he he. There is a bit of re- residue from that from that other Tuvok that stayed in the new Tuvok or the old Tuvok. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. What I wish they would have done um, is that they cut out after he says he could have been, he could have eaten all the Sundays. And then we cut to Neelix, not saying anything, but just sort of smiling in a way of recognition. It's uh-huh. like, oh, like sort of elation on the inside because he knows that that old Tuvok is still there in some way. Uh, instead, of him now sitting down and having a conversation about, you know, Tuvok, that wasn't very logical. And Tuvok saying, you know, you're right. And then cutting to credits. We didn't need that part, right? It would have been so much better if they had let us done the, the two. They gave us the one plus one. We, we could have easily done the two. Well, the other thing, too, that would have been nice is 
Instead of confusion, there was a smile in the eyes. And I feel like that's really where Tuvok fails and where Tim Russ fails as a, as a Vulcan is there's never a smile in his eyes. Like Nimoy, Nimoy often would hide a smile, um, you know, kind of yeah. a bit of a smirk. But there was there there could be a smile in his eyes. And I don't I can't recall a time where Tuvok genuinely has uh, a positive demeanor. Like he's either he's either right and he's arrogant or he's irritated or upset. Um, annoyed. Yeah. Always annoyed. Yeah. And so, like, the you know, I, I feel like the, the dialogue would have been just fine. You know, um, Sundays, that's not very logical, you know, and to have him say, no, it isn't without smiling, but having the smile in his eyes. He doesn't have to say anything. Right. The, the smile in the eyes would be all would, would be the answer. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. We don't we don't need to beat us over the head with it. And it, it going even further, it would have been nice if now throughout the course of the rest of the, you know, one and a half seasons left in the show uh-huh. to occasionally he will be finishing up like a Sunday. Right. You, know, you won't ever show him like chowing down on a Sunday or something like that or some dessert. But just little kind of Easter egg types of things where he's just finishing up a dessert. Yep. Right. And it's like, oh, there's that old guy. Like that old Tuvok. Yeah. And and he he was changed forever and he for some reason is not rejecting it. He is embracing it. And just in general, be nicer to Neelix for everything he did. Like you don't have or to Or maybe he compliments maybe he compliments him on his on his meals every once in a while. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. As much as Tuvok can give, he gives. Yeah. It's just yeah, like the it it seemed like the emotional Tuvok was erased rather than the inhibitors removed. <laughs> the inhibitors almost sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> kind of. The inhibitors. Uh, they're coming for your Tuvix. Yeah, I don't know what they do. Like, what, what do the inhibitors do? How are they hor- horrific? So uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, again, this is kind of like the last episode. What was the last episode? Um, imaginary, oh, imaginary Friend. Friend. Yeah, yeah, where it's like, yeah, I mean, going through the series, watch it. Um, if somebody says, like, should I should I watch Riddles? It's like, yeah, I mean, if you're on a time crunch, don't. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of these, once again, character episodes, especially of Voyager, they just tend to be just mired in those conversational moments and mm-hmm. they just get old, you know? Yeah. Well, and again, because there's no character growth, like everything resets. And right. even 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 on DS9, like there there wasn't a whole lot of character growth, but there was definitely character turmoil that did impact them. Like, you know, and they they just they were internally shaken. Well, and it's also a bit of a crux that they do on this show where when they are trying to have a character driven moment, whether it's a, during a conversation or something like that, that there's always this invention of character when it's narratively convenient. Right. That ultimately disappears at the end of the episode. It doesn't, it's never something long lasting and it's never something that is derived from something previous. It's just, oh, I have this isolated story about me and my childhood that's going to be relevant to this episode and you'll never are going to hear about it ever again. And by the way, you've never heard of this before either. Right, right. Yep. But it's still a guilty pleasure nonetheless. Yeah, no, when, when all is said and done, I'm, I'm really excited to hear like how, um, how how Voyager falls, you know, in the pantheon of of Star Trek. Is it is it a genuine episode or is it um you know, right. is it not? Yeah. 
No, or not right. not a genuine episode. Is it how where does it fall as far as proper Star Trek? You know, is it mostly proper Star Trek or is it not? But this episode is not. It is not. And I didn't really like this one very much. It didn't really capture my imagination, to yeah. be honest. I can agree with you. Yeah. No one know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see what we're watching next. We don't have to see what we're watching next. Um, because next week is our fiftieth episode. And we actually – We're taking the day off. <laughs> uh, we did a poll on Twitter and we are going against our predetermined rules for this podcast. And we are going to do a series that is currently running and we're going to do an animated series. Uh, we will be analyzing an episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. No, nothing. Do you know the okay. name of it? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to give us the name of it. Well, I thought you were going to say something Everything. about it. Um <laughs> Well, the problem is I know nothing about about Lower Decks. I I truly have seen maybe a clip here and there on when somebody uses it as a meme or something like that right. on social media. Anything else? I have I don't I have no idea what it's about. Okay, zero. So zero knowledge. So, but I am excited because uh, apparently, I, I guess there is consensus online on the internet that this show is the best new Star Trek show. Of all the different ones, of all of Picard, Discovery, so it, all of them. So it seems like nobody dislikes it. Um, they definitely thought that there was a lot more like fan pandering in this one. Um, but, you know, some there there was there was argument between this and Picard over which one had the, the most fan service. Um, but this one has a little bit more, apparently a more affection to the Star Trek series. Um, so we were, we were recommended no small parts, which is actually the, the season finale. Um, and the, the blurb says Tendi welcomes a new officer to the Cerritos and Mariner navigates a change in her status among the crew. And the ship comes under attack from a powerful vessel. I wonder if, if this is just going to be out of nowhere for us because we have <laughs> because uh, it is a modern television show, right? And most modern television shows are serialized right. to a heavy extent. So I wonder if it's going to be. We have no idea what's no going on. Clue. 